Welcome back to Roger Sarnt, and I'm your host, Sarnt First Class Cruise. And today, I'll be walking you through the eight-step training model and show you how to apply it to common tasks in the Army. This makes your training a lot easier to plan and execute. So as always, I don't want to waste you guys' time, so let's get started. Roger Sarnt! A lot of times, leaders, soldiers, many people in the Army think that the eight-step training model is a model that's used for large-scale trainings, and that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, um, when I was a BLC instructor, we had a class in which we taught our junior leaders the eight-step training model because this is used for when we conduct individual training, right? So there was a class. And we give them an exercise when we first start. They come in, sit down. Hey, you guys break up into groups. Go to each easel board, and we're going to give you a scenario. And our scenario that we did in our class was something like kind of like kind of fun for them. So plan a concert and who you're going to bring, and you have this amount of money only. So they would do their planning. It take about 10, 15 minutes. And then when they're done, we say, so how did you guys come to your to your planning conclusion? And they would tell us. And then here's the introduction of the eight-step training model. And many of them be like, oh, I've heard of it, but I've never used it. I didn't think that it, it was relevant to this. So needless to say, that is not just training, period, can, this can be applied to. So step one, you have to plan your training. You have to identify who is going to be trained. So when you want to identify who is going to be trained, you let's say, for instance, I'm in uh, cavalry. I'm in a cavalry battalion and I just want to train alpha troop. So we're going to train for land nav. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to identify who is going to be trained and we're going to identify all junior soldiers in alpha company. And then we're going to see the next step is we're going to see what metal assessment, right? What is the metal assessment? And metal just stands for mission essential task list. And every brigade, battalion, company, we all, and even, even platoons, we all have some type of mission essential task list that goes from the individual level all the way to the collective level. So we identify that and how, and, and we identify those task numbers that we're going to train because that's, we're going to use those task numbers later on. Next thing we're going to do, we're going to identify the instructors and the assistant instructors. And typically we'll identify NCOs to, to, to train because that's what we do, right? We train junior leaders. So we identify who are those going to be, and then we're going to identify the date the training was planned. So when do we start training? And then the next thing we want to know is when is the training going to be executed? Because if we know when we want to execute the training, we start backwards planning. Um, the next thing is going to be is we're going to have to secure the site. So we have to ask ourselves, is the site secure? And when it comes to securing the site, it's not just securing the land navigation course itself, but it's also securing the classroom. It's also securing the practice site. So it all goes encompassed into the planning. And the reason why we want to identify classrooms and practice sites along with the land navigation course is because we have what's called the crawl, walk, run phase phases. So crawl, you get your classroom instruction where everyone gets the didactic portion and gets trained and taught what to do. Uh, the, the walk is where you practice 
to identify your deficiencies and address them. And then the run is when you're actually evaluated. Then the next thing that we want to ask ourselves is, are all the resources coordinated? When it comes to a land navigation course, I mean, a land navigation training, obviously we're going to need, we're going to need compasses, protractors, pencils, map markers, maps, clipboards, and test sheets. And then the next question we're going to ask is, are the material training aids, what are they? Are they what, which ones are required? And in this one, we'll just use easel boards, obviously compass maps, and then we'll have to set up a pace counting site. Last thing you want to do in the planning phase is you want to do a deliberate risk assessment worksheet, also known as a draw. Any and every training you conduct in the military, in the Army, you need a deliberate risk assessment worksheet. That gets signed, that gets drafted by the trainer, and then it gets signed by the commander, making sure he makes sure that all risks that are identified are mitigated. That's step one. Step two, train the trainers. Questions you want to ask yourself are, has the trainer's training outline been reviewed? That just means when you have a skeleton, you're going to start plugging and playing, plugging in a bunch of trainings in which you're going to abide by. So it kind of gives you a course to navigate through. Get it? Land navigation course? <laughs> All right. So is the next thing you want to ask yourself, is the trainer technically and technically proficient? Are they knowledgeable in their tasks that they're going to train? Then the next question you want to ask yourself is, does the trainer have an understanding of the task conditions and standards? Um, and then the next thing that you want to do is review the FMs, TMs, and all soldier manuals. This is just where all trainings are found. Every training that you conduct, there is a actual go or no-go criteria. There's a training step-by-step -step in which you follow. Many leaders have become very comfortable with the trainings and they just go off the top of the dome. I myself don't really like that. I prefer to at least have the training manual there just in case I forget something because we're all human and we tend to forget and it could be something that you just look bad in because maybe a soldier has actually done their homework be like, hey, Sarge, you forgot about this and it may be a crucial step. So having those manuals and reviewing them and referencing them and understanding them is, is going to be crucial. And you have to make sure all your train, all your NCOs that are going to be conducting that training are familiarized with that. The next thing you want to ask yourself is, is, is the trainer's evaluation procedure in compliance with the training objective? And we had a lot of this um, when I was a, a BLC instructor. It's um, everyone has their tendencies in which they have more emphasis on and, and kind of more lenient. As long as what your criterias are don't conflict with the actual training criteria, go, no, go criterias, then you're pretty much in that left and right limits. Just have to make sure that the trainers understand which steps are crucial steps, critical steps that need to be passed in order to pass the training. And everyone, pretty much everyone has to be on the same page. That's the goal to train the trainers. Step number three is going to be recon the site. So the location of the training, whatever training area you're going to use, whatever um, classroom environment you're going to use, 
in whatever practice area you're going to use. Just make sure that you um, you identify those, right? And reconning the site is just going to the site and ensuring that the site is able to be used. So a question you want to ask, is the site suitable for training? If you're trying to do land navigation and just so happens that that site itself got rained out and there's a bunch of it's just swamp in there. It's probably not conducive to training. Or some some NCOs be like, hey, the more water, the better, right? Um, if it ain't raining, you ain't training. A lot of times they'll say. But seriously, you want to make sure that the site is suitable for training. And then the next thing you want to make sure is, is it easily accessible for an emergency case? Every training that you're going to have, you're going to have some type of medical crew there with a medical evacuation vehicle just in case something happens and we have to get that individual to the emergency room. Now you have to identify these points of egress. The next step, step number four, is going to be issue the order. The question you want to ask yourself is, has an op order been issued for training? And this right here, when you when you do the op order, this prompts, this puts everyone on notice. Hey, this training is happening. Um, in step one, you want to do typically what's called a warno, a warning order, and that can be in the form of either an email, or it can be verbal, but the most the most efficient way to do that is putting it in a memorandum format, sending it out to the each company or battalions, their S3, and make sure that they understand that this training is happening. So when you issue the order, at this point is where you're going to identify what entities are responsible for what, because you want to spread the wealth. If you're conducting a training, especially at the unit level, you don't want to just take it all on yourself. So if you want, if, if you need to transport things, then you have to get vehicles. You want to see who's responsible for, for, for getting those vehicles there. So that's going to be identified in the op order. That also tasks the personnel. Because one thing in the Army, if you don't do, if you don't tax someone through an op order, they will more than likely not do it. That's hands down. Because word of mouth just isn't good enough. This is good enough for a warnel warning order to let them know to start staging, getting everything prepared, but they're not going to do it unless it comes in the form of an op order. So the next thing you want to do is ask yourself, has the uniform for that training been briefed? And that's also going to go into the op order as well, right? Because you want all soldiers to have everything they need and that's part of the uniform. So the compass is going to be part of the uniform right? Their, their, their gloves, their protective eye pro. Um, sometimes they'll have you wear your LBE. It all depends. Whatever the, the uniform is, you're going to identify it at this moment and you're going to put it in the order. The next step is going to be rehearse. Rehearse is crucial because at this point is where you're going to identify any pitfalls. So first thing you want to do is identify weak points in the training plan in order to make this training go go better. The next question you want to ask yourself, is there sufficient time for each training? If you're training, you want to make sure that you have ample time to do so, that no one's cut short, because that's when people have their doubts and start failing, and then the training is all for nothing. You've, you've set this up for months, and then when you execute the training, it's subpar because you did not allot 
enough time for the classroom portion or the enough practice time. Uh, the next thing you want to do is you want to make sure that um, you have all the training aids and, and, and your materials, make sure that they're all fully operational. So you just test them, make sure everything works. The worst thing that, that can happen is you are fumbling around with, let's say, this, um, this projector or something like that and because you didn't identify it. In the, rehearse, in the rehearsal portion, now you're stuck looking crazy in front of all these junior soldiers, losing credibility, and then you have to come up with 40,000 excuses on why you're not ready to conduct this training. Because when soldiers walk in, they're supposed to sit down and they're supposed to give you a, their undivided attention and be ready to go. So all these pitfalls, like I said, they'll be identified in the rehearsal. Then the next question you want to ask yourself to, self is, did you review the pre-execution and pre-combat checks? And that's just making sure that each soldier, so each leader, make sure each soldier has everything they need to do, um, they need in order to conduct the training. And you will make sure that you rehearse that because we will forget. We'll get these soldiers up on the LMTV, on the vehicle, on the transport vehicle, and just push them out there. And by, and, and by the time you notice it, somebody them forgot their gloves, somebody forgot their compass, someone's going to forget something. And if you do these pre-combat checks and you rehearse those pre-combat checks, it becomes muscle memory and it stays in your, in, in, it stays in your mind. All right. So the next step, step six is going to be execute. Is the training conducted to standard? In the army, we say we train to standard, not time, which is why a lot of times we go over on, on, on time because questions arise, difficulty, somebody wasn't prepared, whatever it is, Murphy's Law. But we want to make sure that we get through the, the training itself and make sure the soldiers are prepared for the next step. And then when you execute the training, the next thing you want to ask yourself is, are soldiers for training accounted for? Easiest way to do that, hold a formation Typically, it is about an hour, maybe two hours early because Murphy's Law, like I said, someone's going to forget something. They got to drive somewhere and get it. And this is where the old hurry up and wait comes in. It's not really a hurry up and wait that, that that's going on. It's, it's the fact that leaders are making sure that they have enough time to address any deficiencies before it's time to go. And then, of course, is everyone in the correct uniform? Next one is going to be evaluate the training. So the question you want to ask is, was there an evaluation done after the training? Sometimes, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of times we will just do a training and we won't do the actual testing portion. And that's a no-go. So we have to make sure that happens. The next question you want to ask yourself is, were the training objective standards met? Did you do what you set out to do? And if not, then the whole training was a failure. And then going, it ties back into the plan. What is the medal assessment? So did they pass? Are they trained? All right. So the next question you want to ask is, what is the training medal assessment? And the training medal assess assessment is nothing other than what we call TPU. Um, the next thing you want to ask yourself is, were the material training aids sufficient for the training? Did you have everything you needed for the training? If the answer is no, you got to write it down in the AR and use that for future references. Which brings me into my next question is, was an after action review done? 
Many times we don't do this, we skip over this, and we just keep it moving. But in order to get better, you have to identify what went right and what could be done better. And back in the day, it'd be give me three ups, three downs. Now, the easiest way that we teach it is what went good. And you just let everyone just exhaust themselves and then what what could have been done better. And then you let everyone exhaust themselves. You take that back and you put it into the system along with your training. Then the next thing is, are the training results recorded in the leader's book? Every leader has their leader's book, which has all their soldiers information. And you record those results in there and make sure that you are tracking what your soldier is good at, needs assistance with, and everything of that nature. Last step, last step, retrain. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this step get just breezed by. No one wants to do retrain. Is if, if you passed, you passed, you didn't, you didn't, especially if the majority passed. So retrain is be prepared for opportunity of training, right? So when you do not complete the task successfully, you, all, you take account of that, and then you're supposed to take them back and redo it. Kind of like when you go to an M4 range and, you, and you're trying to qualify on your weapon. If you don't qualify, they take you off to the side, and then they go through your, um, your basic rifle marksmanship um, skills, and they get you ready to go get on the line again. That same concept is supposed to be applied to any training that you conduct. Um, and the last thing is review references of FMs, RTEPs, and TMs. The reason why it's there again is because soldier, the NCO and the soldier or the soldiers can all look at this and go back over it and identify where is it that they messed up on, especially if, they, if it's um, something like plotting, um, dead reckoning, uh, shooting an azimuth, what Whatever it is that soldiers say, well, I could not do this because it just, I didn't get it or I lost it, pace count, whatever it is, you identify that and you and, and then you go back into it and then you kind of retrain them on that. That's it for today's episode of the Roger Sarm Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review the podcast. You can also like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram at Roger underscore Sarn. You can friend me on Facebook at Roger Sarn. And lastly, you can follow me on TikTok at Roger Sarnt. If you have any suggestions for the show, you can email me at rogersarnt at gmail.com. Until then, this is Sarnt Cruz signing off the net. And don't forget, you don't have to embrace the suck if you got the right tools in your ruck. Roger Sarnt!